Um, we're going to talk about generosity today. Uh, we're going to talk about tithing today. We're going to talk about some of those things today. If, if this is your first time in church with us, you picked an awesome week, okay? Uh, we're going to be talking about giving. Um, this is not something I talk about every week, uh, but I do think it's an important thing um, uh, as, as we talk about generosity, as we talk about these things. Um, generosity isn't just about money. Uh, we need to be generous according to Scripture with our lives, our time, our friendships, our prayers. Um, it, it, it's such an important thing for us to be generous people, people marked as followers of Jesus by generosity. It's just one of those things. It's one of the pieces that happens. We're going to talk specifically today about generosity with our finances. Um, God cares about how we use money because he cares about us. Can we start just right there? God cares about how you handle your money because he cares about you. God's concerned about it because he's concerned for you. Do you know what subject Jesus talked about more than any other subject while he was on earth? Money. He talked more about money than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Do you know that? There's over 800 uses of the word money um, in Scripture. There's more than 800 separate teachings on money in Scripture. Jesus, a little over half of the parables he taught were in regards to finances and money. He used money as the backbone illustration for it, or it was the, the, the main force in there. Because Jesus knows that our money is a guide to our heart, right? And even in saying it that way, I said it that way on purpose this time, but have we ever stopped and thought about how the fact that the Bible talks about how none of it's our money? It's all his. Like, everything is his, and he lets us be stewards of what's his, Right, And he knows that in our stewardship of what's his, there's some temptations and encouragements to do things the wrong way. Right, I, I say this a lot. I don't remember where the first time I heard it was, but I, I've heard this said for a long time, and I've been saying it for a long time. If you show me your checkbook and you show me your calendar, I'll show you what's really important to you. Period. You show me what you spend time on, and you show me what you spend money on, and I'll show you what's really important to you, not what you just say is important to you. Because if it's really important to us, we make time for it, and we spend money on it, right? Right? Whatever it may be. What, it, it, I'm not just talking in the church world right now. Whatever it is, if kids' sports are important to you, Lord knows you have spent time and money on your kids' sports. If a hobby is important to you, you have invested time and money in that, in that hobby. If your education is important to you, you have invested more time and more money than you probably even care to admit on those kind of things, right? Like whatever it is that's important to us, we spend time and money on. And Jesus knew this about us. Jesus knew how important a gateway this was into our heart. And so I want to just encourage you with the idea that, that this is something that Jesus talks about. The main principle behind tithing and giving is the fact that what we do with our money shows what our, where our heart is. We're going to be flipping back and forth in Scripture like crazy. Okay, So if you've got a paper Bible in your hands, I need you to crack your knuckles and get ready. 
okay? Because we're going to be going New Testament, Old Testament. We're going to be bouncing back and forth all over the place. Stretch out your hands. Stretch out. I took two weeks off, and I've been working on my house. I'm not a contractor, right? I've been doing a lot of stuff over my head with mud, tape, and sanding. The muscles around my shoulder blades are just wanting me to die right now. Like, I am so sore. Those of you who do this all day, every day, props to you. I am not one of you. I needed to stretch this morning multiple times. Playing guitar was a little bit of an effort because all those muscles are tired. So stretch them out. Get your Bible turning pages ready. If you've got your phone, crack your thumb, okay? You know, however that is, get ready uh, to to be using your thumb. I want you to get it out. I want you to look at it um, because we're going to be using it. I want you to make sure today, I want you to check and make sure I'm not lying to you with Scripture. I want you to know that what I'm about to say today is not my opinion. It's what's repeated over and over and over again in the Bible. You need to check me out and make sure that that's true. Okay, um, I, I want you to do that. I want you to get your Bible out, whatever it looks like. If you don't have an app on your phone yet, go to the Play Store or go to the Apple, whatever that store is called, and search for Bible and download the Version app from LifeChurch.tv and use that one today. I want you to have a Bible in your hands, okay? Um, you, can, you can go ahead and do that. So here we go. The first one we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 6, 21. These words are probably in red in your Bible. And what does it say? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What, let's put it this way. Where, wherever you put your value, whatever you find valuable, your heart is going to be wrapped up in this. Let's, take, let's talk about something that's happening right now, okay? And I'm, please don't mistake what I'm about to say as any sort of negative thing. I love to hunt. But how many of you have been in the woods this week? Or, or this month, the last three weeks, you've been in the woods. How many of you spent more shooting a deer and having a deer processed and getting to your spot and buying a tag than you would have, been, than you would have spent to buy hamburger of the same amount of weight? Don't lie. Get them up there. Most of you have. That tag, all that effort, unless you're processing it yourself, unless you walk to your stand and you made your own, you loaded your own bullets, you probably spent more per pound to shoot that deer than you would have on hamburger. That's not a derogatory thing. I, it's not about the meat for me. I mean, I love venison. I'm not one of those people that just kind of enjoys. I love venison. But hunting for me, the meat is a bonus. It's all about that stand time. I love going out and connecting with God in a stand. It's worth the investment. But my, that is a treasure to me, and my heart is there. And it would be really easy to let my heart go too far there. Right? Fill it in with your hobby. Fill it in with whatever you want to fill it in. Is it easy to let a hobby become your first priority instead of Jesus? It's really easy to let that happen. It's really easy for me as a pastor to let that happen. And the, Jesus wants us to know that where our treasure is, our heart will be. So why do we tithe? Why do we talk about that word? The, the Bible says the purpose, purpose of the tithe in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23. Go ahead and take a look at it. Deuteronomy 14, 23. The Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God's for, God first. Tithing is a reminder, according to this verse in Deuteronomy, that everything is God's. He is the supplier of everything we have. And it's also God's invitation for an outpouring in our life when we are faithful 
with what he has given us. The word tithe, is, is, it comes from the Hebrew word ma'azer. Okay, that's the word. I know you probably don't know that. The way that people pronounced it a long time ago was incorrect, and they pronounced it miser. Okay, which is where another word comes from, right? Miser is where they, it's where they get that word from, right? But it means literally a tenth. The word tithe literally means one tenth. Okay, that's its, its actual meaning. Um, so it's, it's not anything crazy. It's just what it is. Open to Malachi chapter three, verse 10. That's in the minor prophets. Those are gonna be harder. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of extra time. If you're on new version, it's really easy. Find Malachi and tap on it, okay? But if you have to look in your Bible, it might take you a little bit longer because those minor prophets, they're tricky. Um, uh, but Malachi, um, it, it, Malachi chapter three, verse 10, um, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I want you to know that there is only one place in all of scripture where God says, test me. And we just read it. It's the only place. If you're a Bible scholar, you try and find another one. Try and find another one. Test me. This is the only place in regards to the tithe. God says, if you don't trust it, test it. Test me, and I'll prove how faithful I am about the tithe. God wants us to know it's his. And God wants us to know He is faithful. God says, I dare you. See if you can outgive me. See if you can be more generous than I am. Right? That's what he says. Now, please don't mistake what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say, be stupid. I'm saying, generosity is the heart of God. Generosity is the heart of God. Of God. Jesus says, bring it to the storehouse. Okay? He's talking about bringing it into the place where he will use it. I want you um, to look at Psalm chapter 89, verse 11. Okay? And you will see in Psalm 89, 11, it says that the earth is God's, the world and all it contains is God. So everything is God's. God is generous. God wants us to know where it all goes. It's all his. The tithe of our, is our way of telling him, yes, it's yours. Proverbs 3, chapter 9 says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. I, I want you to know, I, I feel like I had this maybe ingrained wrong in my mind. Um, I get what my dad was trying to teach me. Um, but my dad wanted to try and teach me when I was growing up. If you know my story, you know I didn't always serve Jesus. You know that I, there was a, a, a stretch in my life when I did not follow God in any way, shape, or form. But on the, every other weekend when I was with my dad, um, I was forced to tithe against my will. <laughs> like, it was not an option in my home. Like, it was 
what it was. And my dad's way of doing it was like, when I get the paycheck, I don't go to, I worked at Hardee's. You don't spend the first $20 at food at Hardee's. That was my afternoon snack, even back then, okay? Like, um, it, it, like, you, like the very first goes to God. And this is a principle of first fruits. This, this principle is from a time when people didn't necessarily, goods weren't exchanged for money as often as goods were exchanged for goods and services, okay? We give the first of God's, uh, first of what God gives us back to him. It wasn't a, you don't wait till the end. You don't wait till it's bad. You don't wait till the dregs. You give the first to God. And we're going to go over that in just a second. It's tough though to give God our first and best because a lot of times we, we have other things that become first in our lives, right? As a pastor, one of the things that I deal with that most people probably don't deal with is people coming in off the street and asking for money, okay? It happens all the time as a pastor. Um, they come into the church and they just need money. Sometimes they really need it, sometimes they don't, you know, but people come and ask for money. Our policy as a church is we help people once, but the second time, if you come in for help, we're gonna ask you to bring in your budget and we're gonna sit down and, and teach you some budgeting skills. And you know what's amazing to me is the few times that I've done with this with people, they'll come in carrying a cell phone and I'll ask them, do you get that for free? And they're like, no, I have to pay a monthly bill. Well, where, where is that here? But we don't even view our cell phones as a bill. That's something we have to have, right? Like they'll come in driving one of four cars and they'll say, I can't pay my bills. And I'll say, where's the insurance on four cars? That's not here. Why? It's a bill. No, that's a necessity. We need four cars. I'm not trying to run you down. If you have four cars and if you have a cell phone, understand. It's easy to let other things become first in our life. Right? It's easy to let Verizon become first. Or AT&T or Sprint or whatever carrier you prefer. I find it amazing that people can't afford groceries. They complain about how much groceries cost right now, but they've got a new $1,800 iPhone in their pocket. Right? Because if it's important to us, we find a way to get it. I'm not mocking you if you've got a brand new 18 or iPhone, whatever it is, 87 in your pocket right now. I'm not, I'm not mocking you. Please don't take it as mockery. It's not mocking. I'm just saying if it's important to us, we find a way. Right? There are times in life where we have all needed help. And I'm not making fun of anybody who comes in here and asks for help. I, I'm not mocking in any way, shape, or form. There are times where I was, one time when we were youth pastors, I, we've, I've told this story before. We, I, I heard a pastor, or I heard a speaker say this, like, we weren't poor, we were po. Like, we couldn't afford the R at the end of poor, right? Like, all we were was Poe. Like, somebody invited us to go to McDonald's after church for ice cream cones when ice cream cones were a dollar and we didn't have kids. And we had to make sure we had $2 in our checking account to go buy ice cream cones. Like, I mean, it was, it was tight as she comes. There was a time, we got an unexpected bill from that, and I had to, as an adult child, Dad? <laughs> How's it going? Right? Like I, I've been there. We've all been there where something comes out of left field and blindsides us and we're like, how is this going to work today? So please don't mistake what I'm saying for any sort of mockery or saying you should never ask for help. We've been there. But when something's important for us, 
So many times we find a way. The problem is many times the things that should be first aren't first. And our priorities get out of control and out of whack. I want to show you a visual of this. This is not unique to me. This is something that I saw another preacher do one time. Chris and Lee, if you could come up here right now. I just want to show you. So when Jesus first started talking about tithe, it worked this way. Back in the Old Testament when they were talking about tithe, it worked this way. We don't exchange goods for goods very often anymore, right? How many of you have chickens and so you trade eggs for beef? Right? A few of you maybe have a little network that way. I know there's a few tradesmen in here who's like, I'll do drywall if you pour concrete for me. You know, and, and we do that to a degree, but that's not the common way that commerce happens anymore, right? Like, for the most part, if you want something, you write a check, or you pay cash, or you slide a debit card, or you tap to pay, or you do something like that, right? Right? When you go into Target, you don't bring in a side of beef and like, here, I want to exchange this for a TV on Black Friday. Right? Like, that's not what we do. And so the tithe ceases to be a visual thing for us, but then it was. When they started this, this was a visual thing. And I want you to see a visual thing. So right here, I have 10 turkeys. It's Thanksgiving. So I'm out of a tithe. If I was a turkey farmer, Okay, what I would do is when it was time to harvest my turkeys, if I wasn't very good at it, I only had 10, okay? Let's just t- take this as a, ho- a, harby- a hobby farm, okay? But I have 10 turkeys. The idea would be nine of them I get to keep and manage because God gives those to me. They're, they're mine to manage. I bring God the first. And that first doesn't mean in order, it means the best. I bring God the best one, and I have nine, and he has one. And that's what he asked for. Bring me the tithe, right? So green beans. I'm, I, I raise green beans, and I've got 10 bags of green beans, right? I've got 10 bags. I bring God one, and I get to keep nine. And cranberries, I'm a versatile hobby farmer, okay? Um, I have turkeys, and I have green beans, and I have cranberries. God gets one. I give God one, and I get to keep nine. You're starting to see the visual. I also have carrots. And I have 10 bags of carrots that came up this year because the ground didn't work. It didn't rain for like three months this year right? Nine of them I get to keep and manage. God asks for one, right? God asks for one. This is how the tithe, they used to see this work, right? They used to see how this works. They used to get to watch as they harvest and as they slaughter and as as animals, um, uh, how this works, right? So this time my, my oranges went well. I actually have like 22 oranges, or I, I mean, I, I think it's like 18 oranges. So now I'm going to tie them. I'm going to give a little bit of an offering, right? 18 doesn't work easily into 10. I'm not going to cut one and, you know, take a slice and give the other one. I'm going to give tithe and a little bit of offering out of my oranges. And here's some sweet potatoes. Again, it didn't rain. They, they were little stubby ones this year, okay? Um, but I had 10 come up. Nine of them are God's, 
One of them are mine, along with my little baby onions, right? Nine of them are God's. One of them, or nine of them are mine. One of them is God's, right? And you just kind of watch how this goes. This hasn't even been blessed by God yet, right? This isn't even God saying, test me and I'll show you. This is just 90 and 10, right? 90% and 10%. 10 lemons, one I give to God. What else we got back there? Apples. 10 apples. It was really hard to find bags of 10. Can I just say, as I went through there, it was hard. One is mine, nine are God's. Bags of potatoes. I did a little better with potatoes because potatoes grow just when they're in the ground, right? Like they just always grow. And so again, I have nine bags of potatoes. One is for me, or nine are for me, one is for God. I keep screwing that up. God hasn't blessed us yet. This is just 90 and 10, right? 90 and 10. And I just want you to see what they would have seen. Now we have some bananas. The best bunch goes to God and the rest are mine. I'm gonna move this so you can just see it. I want you to see this. That's the principle of tithing right there. A table full versus a neat row. That's what tithing looks like. I want to remind you, that's not even God's blessing yet. That's just 90 and 10. That's not God showing off yet. It's just 90 and 10. And can we be honest? I know that gas has gone up. And I know that groceries are expensive. And I know I have four kids. And my son out eats me almost every meal already. And he's 11. Right? Like, I, I mean, I get it. I, it is expensive. I, things are hard that way. My dad just told me he, he bought a newish truck. You know, it was, it was not new, but it was new to him. He just spent more on his one-ton diesel truck than he paid for his paid-off house. Right? Like, I get it. Things are expensive. But the honest truth in America, just in case you can't see it over here, let me move some of my gear. Just in case you can't see it, this is it. The honest truth in America is before God even puts his blessing on something, we can live on this. We can live on the 90. Now, the hard thing for many of us in this is we haven't adjusted our budgets to be on 90. Our budget is based on 100. And so now it's hard for us to see how we could get down to 90 because our budget is based on 100. But I want you to see visually what they would have seen. 10% versus 90%. And even in the 10%, God says, test me. See if you can outgive me. See what happens. Right? I want you to understand that's what the generosity of God looks like. He only asks for 10 of everything that is. I forgot about the eggs. They were in the fridge. Somebody found them. We have 10 dozen eggs. 
My chickens did all right this morning. I'm glad these aren't on the bottom. Nine are God's. Nine are mine. How many times did I mess that up in five minutes? Nine are mine. One is God's. That's tithing. That's the generosity of our God because it's all his. And he only asks for a portion back. It's all his and he only asks for a portion back. So I want to talk about a couple things. The most common reason I hear for not tithing in the church is this. It's an old covenant thing and now we're in the new covenant. Right? And I want to challenge you with that thought today. I want to challenge you with that thought. I want you to look at the very first instance that we see in tithing. Okay? Um, and it's actually found all the way back in Genesis. And I didn't write down the reference because I'm awesome. I'm going to look it up. Because I don't want, I want you to know I'm not lying to you. I have to turn off Bluetooth because my pedal wants to be my keyboard. In Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, Abram goes and he fights a war. And out of the spoils of the war, he feels that God gave him victory. And out of the spoils of the war, he felt like he should give a tenth. Okay? And you actually see, he goes to the, there's a priest of God that, or, that comes, and his name is Melchizedek. And Abram gives one-tenth of his, um, his spoils to Melchizedek as an honoring of God. He gives it to the priest of God as an honoring of God for his victory. I want you to think for just a second. When was the Old Covenant, the Old Testament covenant established in Scripture? Anyone? No one? When was the Old Covenant established? Who did it? God established it through Moses, and we see it in Exodus. That's when the Old Covenant is established by God, given to his people, and how that goes. Moses doesn't live for hundreds of years after Abraham. This predates the Old Covenant. This is pre-covenant. He shows us a way to honor God before there is ever a covenant established. I also would like you, just in case you think it's not a New Testament thing, to turn to Matthew chapter 23, verses 23. I, I, I want to look at the words in red. Jesus does this. Now, I know what he's talking about. He's actually condemning some Pharisees for having wrong priorities. 
okay? He's condemning Pharisees for having wrong priorities. But in Matthew 23, 23, he's looking at these Pharisees and he says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe on even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the, most, the more important things. So I want you to just unpack that for a second. Jesus is saying there are more important things than the tithe. Showing justice and mercy and grace. Those are more important than the tithe. But he also says we should tithe. Those are the words in red. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. All right? Again, can you get to heaven if you don't tithe? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is not a prerequisite to go to heaven. But I do believe there's something in it that unlocks generosity in our hearts. And according to Scripture, the blessing of God flows from it. 2 Corinthians verses 9 or chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, say, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We can't be coerced to give. If your takeaway from this is Jason's going to be mad at me if I, if I don't tithe and Jesus hates my guts if I don't tithe, you're taking the wrong thing away. First of all, I have no idea who gives what. I don't count the offering. I don't look at the checks. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't know at all who gives. So if you ever gave a big gift and you were like, why didn't the pastor say thank you? It's because I didn't know. And if it's because you, if you've never given and you were like, I wonder why the pastor's never come to me and confronted on this, it's because I don't know. I have no idea what you give. No idea. And I'm not going to take an offering at the end of this message. I'm not trying to coerce anyone. I'm just trying to say, this is what I see the Bible teach. This is what I see in Scripture. This is what I believe. And God wants us to be cheerful in our giving. We don't give reluctantly. We don't give in to pressure. That's why we're really careful in here to try and not pressure people to do those kinds of things. Because I don't believe it honors the heart of God. But can I tell you in here that becoming a cheerful giver, it doesn't get easier as you get older, right? Especially if you're gonna start when you're older. I am so grateful now as an adult that my dad made me tithe even when I didn't love Jesus. I'm so grateful for it now because I've literally never known what it's like to live on 100% of my income. I, I've never experienced it. From the time I was a small child till now, I've never experienced 100% living on it. I, I didn't have to adjust my budget. I didn't have to carve it out and find it. I didn't have to do that. And I'm so grateful for my dad now because it's so much easier when you're younger, right? You're talking about, oh, you got $5 from grandma? That means you need to give 50 cents. That's a lot easier than, oh, you got a $10,000 check today? A thousand of that goes to the church. And I know you've never done it before, and I know you've never budgeted that way, but let's get started that way today. That's not easier. That actually takes more faith and more generosity because as we get older, our 
budgets get bigger too, right? Like I had, I, I know I make so much more money now. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a rich man, but I make so much more money now than I did when I started at Hardee's at 15 for four, for five twenty. No, four twenty five an hour was minimum wage when I started. Four twenty five. So it doesn't take a lot for me to make more than that. You get it? I never had more money to do with whatever I wanted to do with though when I was in high school. Right? Like, because I didn't have a single bill. My dad paid for my insurance. I had to pay for gas. That was my only bill, was putting gas in the truck. And it was a dollar a gallon. Even though my truck only got five miles to the gallon, I could drive around for quite a while on five bucks. Now it's like, well, there's a gallon and a half. I never had more money to do whatever I wanted to do with it than when I was in high school. As soon as I went to college, I had bills. I had to start paying for college. I had to start paying for food. I had to start paying for insurance. I, had to, I could have done whatever I wanted to do with my money. And you know what I had to show for my high school money? Literally nothing. I, had, I bought a car, so I got to trade that in later for like 500 bucks. That's about what it was worth after I drove it for a few years. That, that was about the only thing I bought that had lasting value in high school. You know what I spent by far the most of my money on? It was two things. Food. Even though my parents provided all the food I could have ever wanted, I still spent by far the most of my check every week on food. And girls. That's it. You know what I had to show from all those high school relationships? Heartache. That's it. Sadness. Regret, that's what I had to show for my high school relationships. I have really nothing to, I'm still living, so maybe the food provided something. It took a lot of food to keep me full. I I, I say this a lot. I was one of those kids that, like, I don't ever remember feeling full between the ages of about 13 and 24. Like, I could just eat all day, every day, and never really feel full, never really get to the end. And if I somehow did feel full, like all I had to do was, you know, burp and go to the bathroom, and then I was ready to eat again. (laughs) I spent a lot of money on food. My point is not, my point is simply, the younger you start this, the easier it is. Kids, I know some of you are probably upset with your parents because they make you give. Later, you'll thank them. You will. The adults in here whose parents made you give, am I the only one that's grateful for that? It was put in me at a young age. It's all I've ever known. And I'm so grateful for that because I've seen the blessing. I've seen that. When we couldn't afford ice cream cones, we had tires that were supposed to go 20,000 miles that went 40,000. It's not always like I give God this portion of money and I find a check in the mail. Right? Like, that's not how it works. I I mean, maybe that happens for you sometimes, but that's not usually how it works. But I had things like that where tires that were only supposed to last so long went twice as long. Our cars ran on duct tape and prayers for like the first 15 years of our lives. Like, it it was, we drove old hoopties that barely held together. Like, if you hit about 75, they started rattling. Like, it's just, it's what happened. And in Montana, 75 is not fast. Just so you know, I know here it is. It's one of those things, though, where I watched the blessing of God come into my life 
in all of those things. And I just want to encourage you. I'm so grateful that our kids in this place learn to give to BGMC. What a cool thing. What an awesome thing. Teenagers, what happened on Big Give Night on Wednesday? How much came in? Our teenagers, I don't know if you're aware of this, but our teenagers this year had a goal to give money to missions. And some of you in here as adults were very instrumental into them being able to give. Thank you. Because our group is mostly younger kids. Most of our kids are maybe just getting into the job age now. Most of them are like selling stuff or doing those kind of things for missions. They had $7,500 come in Wednesday night for missions. Our teenagers gave $22,000 to missions this year. Our, our littles, our kids, the ones back there on Sunday, they usually give between two and $3,000 a year to, to missions. Our littles. That's parents teaching them to be generous. That's youth pastors and kids leaders and all of those people encouraging them to be generous. And when you start at that age, it's amazing how much easier it is. So here's the other thing, right? So I hear... It's an Old Testament thing, or it's an Old Covenant thing, not a New Testament thing. And so we dealt with that a little bit. Now I want, I want to talk about this other one. Here's what it really boils down to, okay? Are you ready? So if you believe that this Bible that you're looking at this morning is God's word, if you believe that it's his inspired words, you really need to answer these two questions for really anything in your life, but also as it comes to giving. Is God wise? And do you trust him? Because if God is wise, and if you trust him, then doing what he says is the right call. Right? Isn't that how it works? If God is wise, and you trust God, then doing things God's way is the wise thing to do, and the trustworthy thing to do. That's what we really need to come to grips with. If you're in here today and you have never given before, and there's probably those of you who are, you've never given to anything. You've never given a charitable donation. You've never, and I'm not just talking church. I'm saying you've never given anything outside of yourself. That's probably true. If it's not true in this room, I'm sure whoever, people watching online, it's part of it. I know 10% sounds overwhelming. I, I know it. I would encourage you to try and ease into it. Start with 2% and see if God will bless. Get to four and see if God will bless. Try eight and see what God will bless. And get to 10. I ease into it. See what God, if God is wise and God is trustworthy, give him a try. See if he doesn't come through. Test God and see if he is not faithful. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words through his prophet, Malachi. I want you to understand if you're going to tithe out of a, re a religious obligation, just forget it. If you're going to tithe out of worship and reverence to God, there's a blessing there that I think is worth it. If it's just a religious obligation, it doesn't matter. 
I want to encourage you today. If you don't understand or if you have more questions, give me a call. Chat with me. Talk to somebody who's generous that you know. If you don't trust the pastor with money, because I know some of you have gone to churches in this place where people have been dishonest and they've broken your trust in this way. If that's the case and you don't trust the pastor, talk to some other generous Christian that you understand. If you just don't trust the, the pastor, come and talk to me. Let's talk this thing through. It's an important thing. I really genuinely believe this, not because the church is desperate for your money. We're not. But because it's what's best for you. Because I believe God is wise. And I believe God is trustworthy. And if I believe those things, then I need to do what he tells me is the wise thing and the trusting thing to do. And it will work. I want to encourage you, if you're in here, put God to the test in this one way that he tells you to test him. Give it some time. See what happens. Let's be people of generosity. Not because pastor got up here and made you feel guilty today. If that's the case, again, I'm really, that's not my point. And I'm sorry that you feel guilty. But what we want to encourage you to do is just do things God's way. And this is one of those things we, we believe. Before I pray, I want to say a couple things, Okay. We're not going to take an offering. We're not going to do anything about this. But I want you to understand, we bought this knowing that this is food and it doesn't last for very long. So I want to say a couple things. If you're in here today and finances are tight and you were wondering if you'd be able to do a turkey this year, I want you to come grab a turkey. Okay? Um, uh, if you, after a couple minutes, if there's just some turkeys up here and you just say, hey, that would be a blessing, grab a turkey. Um, I, I literally don't want any of this food left on these tables when you guys leave, okay? Like, come get the green beans. We tried to kind of specifically grab some things that would work for Thanksgiving meals. There's potatoes, there's yams, there's, you know, like, we did it that way um, on purpose. That's not an accident. Um, but for real, come get one. Don't take five turkeys. We good? We understand? Um, but I want to encourage you. I, I, like I said, there are times in my life we didn't eat turkey our first Thanksgiving because we couldn't afford a turkey right? Like, I mean, I think we ate chicken that year because it was cheaper. I get it. Um, times can be tight. People need, there's no shame and there's no come get some food. Okay. Got it. Jesus, you're great. And I believe you are wise and I believe you are trustworthy. And I want to pattern my life after that, not just in the area of finances, but in every way. Help me to be a generous person. Help us to continue to be a generous church. You're awesome. Amen. Come get some food.